0: Previously, on Anything
1: Goes.
2: So, Christina, there was a girl that listened to two episodes of the show, and she just said, is that true what the people on the show said about the girls that you like? I swear to God. And I just was like, no, that's just, they just take shots of me. Because she thought it was like a shot at her own weight because I was interested in her. Oh, uh, she all right, tender? Her own, yeah. Pardon?
0: Dave. Was she tender about it? Was she upset?
2: <laughs> she was th- not thrilled. Did she throw herself at some food when she was upset? No, just in front of a subway train, which is the way you like it, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> She's so dead go, now honestly? because of the things that you said.
3: Honestly, you guys. Somebody... You
2: told her what I find attractive in women, and she killed herself.
3: And honestly, I hope you're happy. Somebody... Well, a, don't be, don't find that attractive, Dave. <laughs> oh, so it's <laughs> So, it's my fault Stop. what makes my dick hard, huh? Well, I guess it is. I have no. I'm what is it my fault? Is there a little fucking system that I'm cranking a crank at the bottom of your no. cock to make it go hard? No. No, so? but you're
2: poisoning the minds of the women that wow. I might find attractive hey. and trying to oh, no. get with. We're and cock then, blocking Dave yeah. Martin. It Nobody's is a serious saying. cock block. Serious. Oh, no. Wow. Serious XM could- cock block. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's an XM cock
2: block. Channel 153. <laughs> is or, it? Wow. The wow. whole channel's
3: wow. cock blocking Dave. It is.
2: Well, you two are at the end of that cock. Shoving it in slowly Yeah, You two are the balls that are driving the cock that's not letting me get any pussy And now, let's get to a new exciting show
1: Good evening ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for
2: some laughs,
1: are you?
3: Guess which host has to start their car with a
2: breathalyzer? This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost.
3: How the fuck am I funny?
2: Dave Martin. What have we got here? A Fucking comedian. And Kathleen McGee.
3: And I'll execute
0: every motherfucking last one of you. Can you dig it? The intro to the show this week is another one that
2: I think will probably... uh, The stuff off the top with it's the one where uh I think it's 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 you Christina Walkinshaw and Steve Patterson are are bothering me about I think what happens is that if I'm if I'm in a relationship someone will listen to the show and then they'll have some moment with me where they're say where they'll say I don't think I'm going to listen to your show anymore I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, are we breaking up? And they're like, no, no, no,
4: no, no. No, I just don't want to listen to you.
2: <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, right. Um, but that, yeah, that has happened actually three times. So, uh, this might be a, this might be another one. How but many even, women
4: but, have you dated? How many women have you dated? Like, seriously, dated, not like a couple weeks, but like relationships with.
3: Um. Well, at like, least three.
2: Yeah. Like long term, like sort of relationship.
4: Yeah, I mean, to that? Like, like over you a mean, year. Yeah. Sure.
2: Uh, maybe like five or six. No, all more right. than that. <laughs> I, have a, I don't know what that says about me, but I have a book where it's all written down.
4: Of course you do. You have a book. <laughs> you have a book of a lot of things that are written down.
2: Yeah. And it's got it's got a lot of
3: stickers in it. A lot of stickers.
2: A lot of, yeah a lot of check marks and X's and things like that but even I was listening to the beginning of the the episode this week and uh, even I'm sort of listening going like wow man if I could speak to myself I would be like Dave you're overreacting really <laughs> you're, you're, you should really calm down a little bit get a little self-confidence and stuff and it's the that yeah. should
3: be your epitaph Dave that should be your epitaph Whoa, Dave oh. you're overreacting <laughs>
2: Or it would just say, I overreacted a lot, and then whatever, 72 or 70, I can still play 38 on TV, Um, but yeah, that's what it was, that's, yeah, well,
1: um, sorry.
4: One time in Ottawa when I, I, when you got really drunk, Darren, and- And I went back to my hotel, and you like called me, and you're like, "You get your fucking ass back here!" Yeah. And you fight everybody. Just... Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's, that's...
2: But... Kathleen, I can't believe you. No man left behind. You can't just abandon someone. All right, well, yeah. I, mean, I didn't. I didn't
4: abandon him. I think. No, no I went uh, like there, I went with some people from the audience across the street or something. Yeah.
3: And then I think you came back and you couldn't find me, so then you left. Yeah. But I wasn't where you thought I was, and that's when I called you. Then you came
4: back. I
3: spent like three hundred bucks that night.
4: Yeah, you were you were like uh, you were like my boyfriend. Whenever he drinks, he's like, "I'm the king of the world. I'm a billionaire. I'm going to buy everyone drinks." And, yeah. you, and you
2: guys were you guys were partying with audience members?
4: Oh yes. I, I was. I remember. Uh, I remember going with these. People across it's to Lieutenant Pump. Lieutenant Pump. Yeah, right. you know that bar. Yeah, and I yeah. went with them, and then I went, and then and one of them. So I went with them up there, and they were having a house party. It was,
2: well, it's I don't know. I
1: know it
4: was,
2: it was it's a yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> shoot, Scott. I don't recommend it. No, no, no. I, you always I always feel like I have to live up to whatever I was. On stage. Like a quarter of me on stage.
3: Yeah.
2: And then it's like, I, and then I think it was uh, in um, St. John, we got invited to a house party. And I, I think Darren might have been with me. And then, uh, and then it en- ended up just being myself and Darren and the other comic who was, in, uh, who was on the show with us were just hanging out in the kitchen. And then everybody at this house party was like, hey, who are these three guys? because only two people showed up from the show and then just brought the three of us. Right. And so now it's like we're three strangers that like nobody knows and they're looking at us weird. And I'm like, well, and it's like, you know, it's, you just, I, you can't really relax either because it's.
3: I, I, I remember one time I was with Andrew Iwanek in Grand Prairie and that <laughs> sentence is never going to be said again. And uh, I hated the town and hated the shows and i had to go out with him because these girls wanted to take us out so i had to be andrew's wingman in a town i didn't want to be a wingman in and we end up going back to a house and there's a stripper pole and all that and it's crazy and i'm like okay it's like three o'clock in the morning four we got to go andrew then on the way back i'm like andrew's like yeah i wasn't really even interested i'm like what the fuck why
4: didn't you tell me that oh andrew would that's just andrew would just string you along all night long i was partying Or no, you never. You never go to a house party. Like I've, tr- I think I did that once. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go to house parties ever again. I'll go to a bar close by. Right, right. like that. But I don't go to people's house parties after shows because it always ends up weird. Although no, the house you. in Newfoundland has probably seen some shit. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs>
3: like, condo.
4: The house condo?
3: Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Like out
4: of all the condos that I ever stayed in, I'm pretty sure the one in Newfoundland saw the most ridiculous shit. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And there was always, like, stuff hidden. Uh, there was, like, a, a on top of the cupboards, there was always, like, pot hidden up there. Yep.
2: Yeah, there would be some comic that would, like, leave a joint or something yeah. like that. You'd always appreciate if someone left, like, some groceries. Not a lot, but even, like, a half a loaf. Even if it was the two ends of the loaf that were saved and then just right. in a plastic bag. If, if anything was there, you kind of appreciated it. But I never, I never liked, even... If the club was attached to a bar, that was always the best. Yeah, right. But like, once you leave that, you know, it's sort of like—well,
4: you're not—you're not a comedian anymore. You're just a regular person, and then you're a right. stranger with these people. Yeah.
2: yeah, I don't want to be a regular person. They stink. <laughs> no,
4: being regular people—you you, sometimes you have to buy your own self drinks, and it's not.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's the worst. You, I don't want to. It's a. Uh,
3: and your jokes don't fly as good, and they don't no, really care. No, yeah.
2: no. I'm, I'm still, I'm still spritzing with them over at the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking to everybody for thirty seconds. And it's like, yeah. oh, what do you
3: do for a living? Oh, That's really? Right. Oh,
2: how'd that work out? And I go, yeah. Yeah.
3: Good luck with that, dummy. And what about yeah. you? Yeah. How do you fuck her? How do you fuck her? Doing crowd work, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm reminding them across the street to tip their weight staff. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah yeah no i uh newfoundland was always a. I got recognized at a bar in newfoundland like i went out with paul meyerhog and we went to lottie's on on george street that's a good and place there was, go
1: there
4: the best although at the end of the night it's just piles of curdled puke because their specialty is a white russian <laughs> yeah but uh yeah. but i was there and these two guys came up to me and they were like you're a comedian and I was like yeah and they're like we saw you like a few months ago when you were here like the last time I was there and uh I was like I never get recognized so I'm like this is cool and then I wanted to hang out with them, and then Paul's like we're going and I'm like I don't want to go I'm uh, there's two guys that think I'm funny and pretty I'm, I'm staying yeah and then he's like no we're leaving and he dragged me out and made me leave and I was so mad at him I was so mad at him for doing that and then the next night He, like, invited eight guys over, and he's like, pick one of them. (laughs) Wow. Hmm. That's a good guy to go on the road with. (laughs) That's
3: that's your own reality TV show right there. Pick eight guys (laughs) with Kathleen McGee. (laughs) Choose one or two, whatever. Yeah, sure. (laughs) uh, I think I was in – it
2: was either Edmonton and Calgary once, and I was, like, smoking a cigarette, so this was, like, a long time ago, uh, outside of the club. And then two people sort of remembered me from the show, and then, uh, uh, and then I saw one. And then I saw an SUV pull up. Oh, this was Calgary. So I saw an SUV pull up in front of the club, it's and I said, Calgary,
3: huh?" Crazy stuff always is in Calgary. But go on, yeah.
2: Right, right, right. So and it's a casino too. So it's sort of like I see this SUV pull up. One of the guys um, uh, runs into the U- uh, into the SUV, and then immediately just sort of jumps out. And then and I'm talking to his girlfriend and uh and so i jokingly like what was that all about what was going on and they're like hey man you want to come party with us and i was like yeah sure all right and then, <laughs> and then and then it's sort of like then i was and then we already was drinking and then we went somewhere else and then we drank and then and they might have had some
4: cocaine on them and maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah it's calgary it's calgary yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so at a certain point it's like and also, I'm not really I'm 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 loaded, but also I'm very awake too. Awake enough to realize at a certain point I don't know who any of these fucking people are, <laughs> and I barely know how to get back to the the, the condo, and I, I I I don't even know exactly what bar I'm at. And then it was just like, oh, I gotta I gotta go. This is not. I was I was uh, well enough to get get the hell out of there. So, I, don't know I like I've... your
4: Newfoundland story. I like Dave's Newfoundland story in the with the bouncer. <laughs> Which which one is that? Oh, uh, the one where you puked all over his car.
2: Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs>
4: oh <laughs> that the, one. Every time I went back, you're like, oh you know Dave Barton, he puked on me.
2: <laughs> oh right, well Derek, that's a part of Derek's against acts now, because it literally was like that scene from Pulp Fiction. Like we were pulling up to, like when the when John Travolta shoots the guy's head off, uh, it was like the guy we were pulling up to the hotel. Derek had gotten out of the car and then I'm literally 10 seconds and it was just boom everywhere <laughs> and then of course i could just get out of the car i'm like sorry can't help bye and
3: oh you're I, such
4: a dick oh my god oh, yeah, yeah, of
3: course i am Yeah, one time one time in calgary i'm not sure if i told you guys this story or not i was uh before getting there i you know this when i was single living on my own in toronto in case my wife is watching and i'm on the Wait. internet And I'm talking in all these crazy groups. This is back when I had all kinds of crazy situations going on. And I met this group and they were Calgary swingers. And I got them all into the club one night, like 20 of them. And I bombed. I did not do well. I middled and I bombed. And so I go to this table because they're trying to thank me for, you know, the tickets. And nobody will make eye contact with me because I bombed. And they were all like misshaped headed, misshaped headed people. And like, you know, one was an albino and not attractive swingers. Calgary swingers. And then one of them literally goes, so are you coming back to the party? And then you saw someone give them the elbow, like shut up. And I'm like party. Sure. So then I get into a van and I drive to the middle of fucking nowhere in Calgary to some swinger house. And we all go in the house and there's a hot tub. Everybody gets naked, and nobody fucks because I'm there. And they're all just staring at me, waiting for me to leave, and I never leave. And they have a, like a pet parakeet in the bathroom, and every time you went to the bathroom, it would yell at you: "You're a dirty bird. You're a dirty bird." Like it was the fucking weirdest thing. And then finally, at five a.m., they got me a cab to
4: go home, and nobody fucked.
2: Wow.
4: Calgary is threesome city. I've had the most threesomes in Calgary. Well. Them, you go to Calgary right. <laughs> but um it's I have all that oil money it's all that oil money it's, just, it's okay you know? <laughs> but I uh I am doing a swingers club on Saturday I'm <laughs> doing a swingers club show on Saturday like we're I don't where? think they're allowed in to, yeah in Edmonton I don't think they're allowed to swing but uh they're allowed to socialize yes yeah
2: now what if someone if someone stopped if someone started getting a blow job while you're on stage?
4: I've done swingers. I've This is probably would like... Would you stop
2: them? Like, or would you just be like... Is that the it, equivalent of being on a cell phone and texting during a show when you're at a swingers club?
4: I like, mean, so I've had, I've been at a show where there's like uh, people making out and I always am like, would you stop making out? I mean, like, I know my act is sexy, but fucking stop. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I've never had that problem. I mean, if someone was going to blow someone in the audience while I was on stage, I'd be like, good for you. Yeah, but, Okay. All the shows that I've ever done, it's not, it's all the, all the fun stuff happens after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
3: would too. you be more,
2: yeah. ups, uh, would you be more upset with someone using their cell phone and texting during the show or yeah. someone getting blown?
4: Well, at least when you're getting blown, you can still kind of pay attention, right? And there's but no light, who... and there's no light
3: flashing up.
4: Yeah. It's not that <laughs> distracting.
3: <laughs> yeah. But there's
2: ever... someone giving the blow job and someone, if, if, huh?
4: Have you ever been in a swingers club? Me? Yeah, either of you. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, have. I, I, been have not. I have yeah, not.
2: I have I've been to that Aqua Lounge in Toronto twice.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard about that place. But the, so when I did the green door in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. it was like Jason Rouse was on that show. Yep. And, um, a whole bunch of Howard, what's his name? Howard, Howard
3: Dover. Howard Dover oh. put it together. Yes.
4: Yeah. Howard Dover put it together. And, uh, it was like, there was this room where only couples could go. And um, if you weren't in a couple, you had to stand in this other part of it that had it. So it was like screen. So you couldn't really make up people's faces, but you oh, could Oh, oh, that's,
3: that's that's called the Dave Martin area. Keep going.
4: <laughs> that's, that's where Dave can sit and watch. <laughs> Yay, it's, you can
2: do it. I would cheer. I would heckle. If there were people fucking, I would heckle. <laughs> oh,
4: we were in there. I went in with this other comic We're like, well, we'll just say we're a couple and just go in and see what it's like. And we just were in there sitting in there talking and the, and it's kind of weird in Swingers Clubs how quickly it just doesn't feel weird that people are having sex around you. How all of a sudden you're talking about the weather and it's like mm-hmm. you get desensitized really fast. But this was the best part. We were all sitting in that room and then like from the outside we heard someone yell Oh no, did I disappear? Okay. Uh... When uh, we were sitting in the room and then from the outside, we heard somebody yell out, Dad? And <laughs> it turned out it was Jason Rose, but yeah, uh, it was very yeah. funny because people literally stopped fucking. Oh, like it yeah. was, like, and then they're like, oh. <laughs> oh, <geez>. That Sinners <laughs> Club, if you ever have a chance to go, it is 100% worth it. Mm-hmm. The Green Door, I don't know if it's still the same, like, I, I don't know how they run anymore. I don't anymore.
3: know. I don't Who, know.
4: Levels. there's like 20 rooms there's all these like these rooms that are like it's like a stable and then you can go into each of the stalls and if the rope is down you can join whatever's happening and if the rope's up you can watch there's like a medical room with like medical stuff. <laughs> it's it's crazy it's a it's a weird weird place but it's pretty cool like I would say uh and it's funny because like I interviewed the the guy who was the manager at the time on my old podcast and and he said most of the people that come are teachers. Mm-hmm. They're people who can't be like wild and crazy in their regular life. They have to be like, but they, but they come to Vegas, they go to the green door and they fuck everyone. <laughs> you,
3: um, uh, okay, Dave, before you continue, we're, we got just about two minutes and then Casey's coming in, so go ahead.
2: Oh, okay, no, I was gonna say at the Aqua Lounge in, in Toronto, um, on the top, you have to be in a couple to go to the top floor. And on the top floor, in one of the rooms, they have like a an old panel van cut in half, oh, and the amazing. doors are wide open like this. So if you ever wanted to fuck someone um, in the back of a van,
3: or or do it. a puppet show, you could do a puppet show there.
2: Well, I don't. <laughs> I guess you could. But um, you
4: don't see a lot of like really young swingers either. Like you don't like you. Always, they're always like in their thirties or older. And I understand now that I'm older because like when I first went, I was twenty or 25 when i went and i'm like this is gross oh my god this is creepy but like now i'm like i'll go and do it whatever it's like i'm old well, yeah. now and i don't care
2: well i did notice that the clientele got a lot better good looking as the night went on because i got there i i when i went there
3: uh you got there what 11 a.m <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah to get a good seat <laughs> you know, the popcorn's fresh No, so, uh, when i went there it was like um uh, I got there at like uh, four o'clock in the afternoon with the girl I was seeing, and uh, and then as around eight o'clock, the there was a, a, a significant change in the uh, in the attractiveness. Oh yeah, it's
3: like it's like strippers, day strippers versus night strippers. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. uh,
2: and uh, And <laughs> and did you you did you you didn't did you get recognized in the in the swingers place that you were at?
4: Well, not like the the one they did. I've only gone when I've done shows. So oh, okay, have,
2: okay, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: I that did one great. in Edmonton, and they were like, these three guys come up to me. And the the cool thing about swingers clubs is that you can't get harassed. If you say no, they are not allowed to ask you ever right. again. They have right. to need, if you ask them to leave you alone, they have to. It's, there are rules, which is like, it makes it just so much nicer. Because like, you go to a bar, and there'll be a guy that's drunk, and he will not leave you alone. Mm-hmm. I've been in green rooms where comics are drunk, and they do not leave you alone. Like right. But at the swingers club, if they if you say no, they can't keep asking so i was, after the show these three guys came up to me and they're like old they were like old enough to be my dad at the time and, and they're like well you did a really great show down here and now you want to go do a show upstairs and i'm like no, oh thank you yeah.
2: <laughs> no someone like, it was like someone it was like a not a bartender uh but like i guess some like a What's a what, bar back? A bus boy or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they have a bar at the Aqua Lounge. And then, and just out of nowhere, I, you know, just as someone asks me, like, from over my shoulder, it's like, hey, so you doing any shows while JFL is in town? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, fuck, because you really want to go there and just be completely anonymous.
3: Sure.
2: It's like one of those weird things. If you see someone there and you do know them, you're sort of like, shh, okay, yeah. let's, or. or
3: just, nod your head and we're yeah. not going to speak of this again i know yeah. you you know yeah. me
2: Let's-
4: that's why okay. like you, can't, if you if i've never ever when i've done shows like wanted to do anything there because it's too weird it's way too weird if i was like just went to a swingers club on my own then i could do stuff but i but not if they like know me as the comedian like it's right. too it's too it's weird
2: yeah i just want to i just want to be a, just a guy fucking who he's with when I'm there, and it's it's sort
3: of weird. It's sort of like a. Well, that's not that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, like, I'm, I'm not going go, go to go there. Just
4: just I am not.
2: I just don't want to be a comedian while I'm there. I'm not going to start trying it. to sell merch or anything like that. Yeah, or, yeah. Hey, Here's my new DVD. Or come and see me sure. at my shows. Yeah. And just, like uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Just sort of want to be just uh, like a like a like a person. Just that's that's. Yeah,
3: totally I've, I can funny. social distance. I've got an eight foot dildo. We're fine, right?
4: Well, there's a comic in Calgary named Dale Ward, and he's the one that's been setting up, and he he swings. Like, he, like, does the show, and then afterwards, stays, sticks around and swings, but I I could not do that. It would be too weird.
2: Well, I know the one in Toronto, it's like, if you're a single guy, you can only go there on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but every other day of the week, every guy has to come there with a partner. Right. I think women can go, women can go there anytime they want
4: they don't care about yeah yeah but but women aren't usually gonna be well maybe some of them are gonna be weird who knows like at the green door you can pay i think it's like if you're a single guy it's like a hundred dollars american to get in yeah regardless of the day of the week maybe weekdays it's a little bit cheaper but women it's like 20 bucks to get in and then couples pay but yeah i know like a single guy i think that single men have just like not giving themselves a good reputation for being under control in a swingers club. <laughs> you know, I was standing in the swingers club watching something, and I felt something hitting the side. And there was a guy standing next to me, and I was like, "Oh, so I just moved over." And then he moved closer, and I looked, and he was jerking off and staring at me.
2: Well, <laughs> and you're
4: not allowed to do that. Like you're not. Yeah. To and
2: and, and Kathleen, I just want to say that I'm so sorry about that.
3: <laughs> I'm
4: so
2: sorry I did that. Yeah.
3: Uh, I was,
4: Flattered. Trust me, I was flattered, but it is also, it is weird when something like that happens to you because you're, it's just uncomfortable.
0: Hey, this is Doug Stanhope, and you're listening to Darren Frost and Friends on Anything Goes XM
1: Radio.
4: Casey Carpet.
1: Hello.
3: There we go. Hey
4: Casey, (laughs) what color (laughs) your walls
1: painted? What's that? What color are your walls painted? Uh, blue. Oh, okay. I cool.
4: Think Hunter green.
1: No, it's a blue. I think I guys have sure. the
4: same shirt on. The same
3: shirt on.
1: I know. Same shirt as what? Jake. Who's Can got the same it? shirt? Dave. You Dave. does. Is Dave wearing his hot rod shirt? Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. You see it? That's Can't why you see I wore Dave? mine.
2: <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wore mine too. So.
2: Woo! Actually, I got, I got black sleeves put on mine because I want to I be an individual, so.
1: Oh, is that because of the WrestleMania where Piper was half black? That's the, <laughs> that's the one.
3: That's exactly it.
1: Wait, wait, why is Kathleen in an 80s rock video?
4: Because uh, I should always be
1: an 80s rock Because she don't... was born to be Casey? How dare you? Question? How dare I? So
3: sorry. I, Come on. I,
4: I mean, I've always wanted to be a white snake girl. So
3: no, no. If we know you love Van Halen, so it's hot for teacher episode. Okay. So that's uh, go the kindergarten teacher.
1: Great. So I love <laughs> <laughs> of them. It's awesome.
4: You should get a fan too, and then you can be blowing in the wind.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you add that second part in the, wind. in the
4: wind. Yeah, and add in
3: the wind to everything.
1: Well, if, if I could get fans, I could get blowing. It's, it's yeah,
2: <laughs> very possible. Yeah. Just getting the fans, yes. so, yeah. I have to commend you, Casey. So far, has, has uh, my favorite backdrop of every guest that we've had. Yes, Casey has my that's this is my favorite so far. Well, this is
1: where if we're doing wrestling, I do all my wrestling interviews from my wrestling wall that's behind me. I don't
3: um, know if you checked right. out the other episode, Casey. Mark Breslin had 8 by 10s of all the comics dreams he's crushed. <laughs> behind him. So that was very...
1: You know what the worst of it all is? I didn't even fucking make it. And that's just... Really
3: <laughs> you, yeah, you're on the ground. you got to wait for yeah. him to die. And then you'll be put up. There you go. It's yeah.
2: just, there's, there, actually, there's in the back, you can, you can kind of see... Uh, at Breslin's, there's a waterfall of headshots that just go right into a paper shredder. <laughs>
1: Wouldn't
2: would it be funny if he just had it on a, ro- like
1: on a rotary and yeah. it could actually do that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be
2: great. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, one thing that, uh, oh, sorry.
3: Well, I'm just going to say, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is we wanted to talk about kind of like the the parallels to because I watch a lot of documentaries and the one thing I love about wrestling documentaries I'm not a big wrestling guy like I don't actually follow real wrestling but even if it was like a 14-hour documentary on the Ultimate Warrior I probably would sit and watch it because of the comparisons and the parallels to stand-up and you're a big wrestling fan and a huge stand-up as well so yeah I wanted to have you come on and, and talk a little bit about that because you've interviewed a lot of wrestlers and when you yeah. after talking to them, do you see a lot of that parallel in their life?
1: Yes, I do. But one thing before I even start is like when I think of you and I think of what you do within the confines of comedy and the character work and the definition of who you are, it is wrestling. Like, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you are, you are very confident asking who you are, and uh, and and you know, so so it's like so you know where you might not even watch wrestling you have a lot of wrestling philosophy in your act. Yeah, no, for sure. That, you know, Sometimes it's be, me
3: against them. Yeah. You want you want
1: to be a heel and yes. then you want to win them over, you yes. know, and that that is, is storytelling at its best. And that's where a lot of these wrestlers who I have been lucky to do first shows with Ted DiBiase and and uh, Ricky Steamboat and a few others and um, they, it's like they already know how to tell a story. They've been doing it for years and years and years in the ring. They already know how to play a character. They've been doing that. It's just a matter of transitioning and making it a vocal, like word performance. Right. And um, Ricky Steamboat's first time, he went off talking about his love for his 1957 Thunderbird and this car, and he saved up. He finally got. He it went on forever. Howard, still the the club manager, comes over after before the show, praises Ricky Steamboat. I'd never seen fan a fanboy come out of Howard ever before. Right. But it happened with Ricky Steamboat. After the show, yeah, you're gonna want to cut that whole car stuff.
2: People don't want to hear
1: it. Right. <laughs> it was just Howard. Right. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, that's so Howard. He's just like, yeah, I don't care how much I love you. I'm gonna be honest with you when you're on my stage. Right. This is what you gotta do. Come Sunday night, Ricky had better stories in there and was a way better show but they, you know, some guys get it like that and then some guys struggle through it. Teddy DiBiase, a natural. Ricky right. had to work at it a little bit. Axel Gene Duggan.
3: So just, you're talking, you're talking about their shows when they go into comedy clubs and they go yeah. show for a paid audience and you know, there's a lot of comics that aren't big fans of that cuz it takes a night away from them and there's a whole different bunch of arguments, but in reality, a lot of wrestlers have been doing stand y type things for decades because they've got to do their interviews. They've got to always be in character in front of audiences. So for that audience to want to pay that money to see them, it makes a lot of sense.
1: You know, if, if they're not going to do it in a comedy venue, they're going to find another venue regardless. Sure. Right. And the comics that are, are upset about that, uh, give them free tickets and, and a meet and greet for free. They'd be first in line to go that night. Right. right. You know, and, uh, and it's just like, Hey, they're trying to make a living like everyone else. You know, and they're in a stage where they can't be on the wrestling circuit anymore. And they prob- they've they only lived their life on the road. That's all right. they know. They don't want to be at home. Right. They want to get back out on the road. And uh, why not meet your fans? Why not do stuff like this? I, or right. in public speaking. It only makes sense. It's the and next it's like, step for them.
4: Like they are. You know? You're talking to wrestling fans. It's not like they're going and... Like wrestling fans show up at these shows that maybe wouldn't go to stand-up shows.
1: Exactly. So here's a great story. So um, one night, hacksaw saw Jim Duggan's wife came up to me, and she flat out said to me, okay, you don't tell any more stories about wrestling anymore because you do comedy and Jim does wrestling. So stick to the comedy. And she gave me shit. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, like I was so angry because it was just such a stupid argument because even though I'm opening for Jim Duggan, nobody's there for me everybody is there for Jim Duggan
3: right and no
1: matter how good I do the minute he comes out and goes oh he's won the audience over and he's not gonna lose right he doesn't even realize
2: that well you know what I was I always sort of I think it's sort of great now that there isn't a lot like the, the curtain has been drawn back so much in wrestling these days that a lot of the times it's sort of like like, when I saw the Ricky Steamboat show when he was talking, he was just saying, it's so much better now that once they went from, like, oh, we're a real sport to we're sports entertainment, so they, they could sort of drop their characters when they were out in public. Because in, like, the 80s and the 70s, if you met Roddy Piper in a bar, you weren't meeting Roddy Piper, just the guy with a wife and kids who lives in Oregon. You were meeting Roddy Piper, the guy that you just saw in the arena. And if you shoved him, he has to stay in character. And he has to, to, you know, threaten to beat the shit out of you. It's like when the story Ricky Steamboat tells is like, I guess after some match or something like that, uh, he goes to like a 7-Eleven to pick something up. And uh, he's in one of the aisles. And then he notices the door opens. And then Ric Flair shows up. And at this time, both him and Ric Flair have like a big feud going on. Mm. And they're supposed to hate each other, even though they're best friends. And so Ric Flair comes in with all these fans are with him. And then Ricky Steamboat immediately has to go from, hey, there's my friend Ric Flair, to Ric Flair, I'm going to fucking kick your ass when I see you next time at this arena, at this town. And it's just this. So now it's just like they don't. It's like Hacks on Jim Duggan or Jake the Snake doesn't have to show up and be Jake the Snake. He can just be Jake Roberts, the guy, and he doesn't have to be the character anymore. Which I and think. And that's is...
4: the difference between wrestling and stand up is stand ups actually hate each other. It's not a.
2: Yes. yeah but we will still work with each other we will still work with each other yes sort of like i mean think of how many times that you've been on a yeah. show where you'd be yeah. like i don't like that guy but i'll work with him wrestlers are the same way where they're like i don't really like this guy but i gotta i gotta make some money so i'll work with the guy exactly as long as you have to you don't have to travel with him i'll work with anyone you know
3: yeah
4: you think that wrestlers and like with comedians do you think a comedian will pick whether they want to be a good guy or a bad guy, just like how wrestlers are either a good guy or a bad guy, and then they can change eventually at some point?
1: Well, you know what I mean? okay, Casey, you go. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, there are times in my, in my career where I've wanted to be a more edgy comedian, and that would be like a, a, a bad guy because I'm trying to take edgy material, material that they're not going to like, Force it down their throats and make them laugh at it, anyways. I would think that's a bad guy comedian.
4: Let me am a bad guy comedian. comedian. Yeah.
1: You're yes, you're a total yeah. heel. Yeah. Look, at right
2: yeah. look at you right now. Yeah. But I'm a total heel. I, I think a, a good way to sort of look at it is like if you're on stage and if you do like if you do an edgy joke or a dirty joke, and that's the equivalent to like a kick in the balls in wrestling. And the crowd might start booing you there's a part of you that says well do i win them want to win them back over or i mean i know some comics that are sort of like once the show starts going downhill <laughs> it's up sort of like once the show starts going downward you're either going to try to climb back up or you're going to be yeah. like oh, fuck these people i'm going to be them i'm going to start getting meaner and i'm going to start getting nastier right and i know some comics that are sort of like you know if you try to poke the audience with a bit of a knife, with a knife and then you stick the knife in completely, and then you start turning it around a little bit of just like, oh, you thought that was bad, and then I've seen Darren uh, have a crowd turn on him, and then he, it gets dirtier and dirtier, and then he wins the crowd back over, and that's sort of like go literally going from heel to, or from face to heel to face in one show. Right. And, yeah. You know that's.
4: That's what Patrice O'Deal was amazing. I remember he came to the comic strip in Edmonton and uh, he would go up and literally every woman in the crowd would want to like murder him because he's he was very misogynistic. He came out and he said, uh, let's hear from the ladies. And they go, woo. He goes, can we hear it from the single ladies? And they go, woo. And he goes, now the single lady's over 30. And they go, woo. And he's like, it's your fault. So then <laughs> <laughs> women hated him. But then by the end of the show, they were all standing up and cheering because he was just really good at getting people to hate him. But he was so good at making his, even if his point was just like, you disagree with it so much, the way he brought it across, you had to agree with him and it was always funny. It was, it's at some funny. point, I and think. I've seen Darren do that before.
3: I think at some point, and I think veteran wrestlers are the same as veteran comedians. They know that a reaction is a reaction. and yeah. When yeah. Good or A, neg- a good or a negative, it's, it's still a reaction. And sometimes you're going for that, and sometimes you're going for a good reaction. And they know how to far, they can just push the knife just far enough to be able to pull it back out again. And that's the difference between, you know, a veteran and a non. And that's why I think in wrestling, it's very similar to stand-up. Because, you know, if you ask any wrestler that's 30 years in all the mistakes they made, it, you know, two years in, it, the stories are very similar well
2: also yeah. that also that desire to be on stage or be in the ring no matter like what you know it's sort of like like these are guys that are driving like two hours to a show to like sure. make 50 bucks yeah and then i'm sort of like well you just you just fell through a table for 50 bucks at a show in front of a, an arena of i mean that's that's another thing too it's like we've all shown up to shows and there's like 30 people there in a place that's supposed to seat 200 mm-hmm. and you're sort of like well do I do I do the show as if there's like 200 people here or do I do the show that's for th- as if there's 30 people here and it's you know there's both sides to it because it's sort of it's like it's weird to see a high energy comic at a venue where there's there's no one giving him that feedback to stay as a high energy guy that's like 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 I would be interested to interview some wrestlers, going like, "Do you hold back and be like, yeah, you guys aren't worth me getting hit by chairs,' you know?" So
3: I, I do could, have, I just have one one quick question, um, and that is, you've 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 interviewed what over a hundred wrestlers now for your podcast, Casey? Uh, well, not wrestlers, but rest people involved in wrestling. Yeah, and yeah, right. Wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. It was there someone that you interviewed that you were surprised at how good it was, like you thought they might be. little guarded or you know not so into it that they were like wow this was really really good
1: yes um the the first wrestler i ever did was uh ted DiBiase, the million dollar man yeah and we'd spent the night before with him drinking at the hotel bar and so we got a lot of wrestling stories and got to know each other that night and then the next afternoon we did the podcast taping and uh, the first question I asked him was actually written by my roommate, Jeff McHenry. And I said, I need a really good first question that's gonna be funny, but it's gonna be, you know. So basically I said, uh, all right. So the first question was something along the lines of this. I said, um, in all of your dealings as the million dollar man, uh, in this year, 19 whatever, whatever, you acquired the services of one Nikolai Volkov. For one cent from one slick manager in the WWF, I was like, "Do you think you got a fair return on that investment?" Right. And he went. Uh, he looked at me and he went, it, "Is this for for real? Is that for is that for real?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, it's a wrestling comedy show. I'm just kidding." Like. <laughs>
3: right.
1: And immediately he started laughing. He goes, and then once he realized it was comedy, he goes, "Let me tell you this." He goes, I'll tell you one thing. I got more of a return out of Nick Lai than I ever got from that dumb, dumb Virgil. <laughs> and right. he, mainly, he went in a character, he yeah. improvised the scene, and came out with a better ending than I could have. And I was right. like, fuck, this guy's a pro. And he was just great throughout the entire interview and very, very giving. Well, so, I mean, he,
2: he started in, like, the 70s, too, where it was, like, in the 70s, you know, they it was... It was you know the, the idea where people try to uh, uh, pretend that wrestling is like a real yeah. fight is called kayfabe. Yes. And so it's sort of like it's it's sort of protecting the business and 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 still acting as if this is the real thing. So it's sort of like, but so in the '70s and even in the '80s, uh, it's like that kayfabe was still big, and so people thought, no, that's huge the first thing. Huge for him. His right, whole the, yeah. his image was built on kayfabe. Right. right. You and, know. and so you meet people where it's sort of like, it's, you're sort of like, I could sort of see him being like, is this guy for real? Does he, you know, you know, this is a show, right? Right, youngster? Well, dress up, up your hair. Imagine, well, imagine what they used to do is they used to like,
1: Vince would say, okay, here's a card. I want you to go into a fancy restaurant, not five stars, but four stars. Well, maybe three stars. Well enough where they know who you are. And he goes, and just pay for the entire restaurant's meals and say, I'm the million-dollar man, and tonight your meal's been bought by Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. <laughs> and then just leave. And uh, he would do that in New York City to get hype up, and people would be like, who the fuck, what the fuck? You know, like, I love that. That's total Kaufmanism, and it's uh, it's absolutely brilliant and a brilliant way to market, you know? Word of mouth goes far. Yeah, I yeah. It
4: compares now to, like, the WWF days, like, with the cage. The I remember watching WrestleMania because my brother would make me. <laughs> and, like, uh, the cage and, like, Andre the Giant and all the – it's not as good as it was, right?
1: You know what? It is, but it isn't. Like, the matches are better, but I don't know. There's something that's great about 80s wrestling that's very cartoony and fun, and a Hulk Hogan match is a Hulk Hogan match. And – you know, but you watch wrestling today, and it's so crazier and I everything. Think, I, think evolved, wrestling,
3: I think wrestling is like Star Wars, and that is, I saw Star Wars, I was seven years old. It was the fucking greatest thing I ever saw. And if you started watching wrestling when you were seven or 10, it was probably the greatest fucking thing you ever saw. So watching it now, even if you're a fan, nothing can compare to that idea of being that age and loving something that much. For a lot of people, wrestling... And Star Wars would be something they fell in like, the first real love of a sport or entertainment, and you can't get that now because we're all forty and broken and not the same people. <laughs> you know, 40. but
1: you can, but you can find you can find new appreciations.
3: Absolutely, like,
1: much like much like you can find, like you know, when I was a kid, Eddie Murphy was the man. Now Eddie Murphy still is the man in my book, but I can find other comedians on the way, and it's like that with wrestling, like. I didn't get into New Japan Pro Wrestling until maybe two or three years ago. Right. But it is totally different from American Pro Wrestling. It's way more sports-oriented, but the storylines are still great. It's still wacky enough. But the wrestling is so much better than the WWE Wrestling. Right. And it's just just the way it is. And, uh, you know, it's a whole different product. But it's still pro wrestling. And it's like that with comedy
3: too. If you showed an eight-year-old kid a video, for, like today, an eight-year-old, a video from the 80s of wrestling, and they, they asked him, what do you like more? They, I guarantee they would say now. The, the today's the big budget, the big you know, flash or whatever, because they're eight years old, and they're looking at it through a different set of eyes. And I know Dave is going to talk about the New Japan wrestling. I've seen only a little bit of it, and it's like, it's fucking crazy. I
2: mean, it's, it's a, a lot like- of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't. I don't really watch. I mean, I. I enjoyed the, the new product of AEW over uh, 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 New Japan, but I mean, I grew up in the '80s, and I, that's when I started watching. And I was one of those people that would just. But it's sort of if you go back and you look at that old footage, and you look at the old fans, yeah. and it's like they're young and old, but yeah, it yeah. is. But it is real to them. It's like they oh, are. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's sort of like now. It's sort of people just kind of sit back and go, "Oh, it's it's a show. We know that." But back then, oh my God, it is real to them. And now it's
4: it, a debate. It was still a debate if it was real or not. I remember when I was a kid, there were still people like, oh no, it is real. But nobody nowadays is like, it's real. Hey man,
3: back in the, in the 80s, Otto and George, someone stabbed a puppet. You know, like <laughs> they were pissed at the puppet. They stabbed the puppet and he has a, a knife wound. I mean, people back then, they would fucking believe the puppet's real. So I'm not surprised.
2: I mean, yeah. even even now today, I mean, one of my favorite things is to watch Hulk Hogan uh, wrestle with trying not to use the N-word. So. Um.
3: <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, okay, we got, it, we, got it, we got about two minutes to wrap this up. Uh, and we'll, we'll have you back on, Casey. We just wanted to hey, talk to specifically about wrestling. But you also have a, an, an album out, and you send people your way. How can they find that out?
1: Yeah, uh, just go check out Casey Corbin on Spotify. I have three albums on there. Okay. Uh, so they're all on spotify might as well go listen for free why pay and Bye. uh you know uh um, go to my youtube page casey corbin instagram comedian casey corbin and your everything podcast, else casey corbin
3: what's your podcast though because this is wrestling particular. oh my podcast
1: podcasts? is uh talking wrestling, wrestling uh, never sleeps network okay so t-a-l-k-n wrestling <laughs>
3: This is Shannon Laverty on Laugh Attack on uh, XM Radio with Darren Frost on Anything Goes. Do I want to say more now?
4: Okay, okay. <laughs> Whoa. Look at that background.
3: All right. Can you hear us, Nug?
0: <laughs> yes, I can.
3: Okay, perfect. Wow. <laughs> Fancy background. Well, I've been doing a lot of dumb
0: Zoom shows, like uh, performing yes. and improvising and stuff, so I, I can't just have my television or a bookshelf behind me, so I hung right. a curtain to make it look semi-professional. Ooh,
2: nice. So, you know, okay, when, uh, when you're doing an improv show on Zoom and you ask for a suggestion, <laughs> just a flood of just, like, boom, 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 boom. So- Spatula, with second, spatula spatula
0: with second city there's uh they do a webinar format and then they have uh the audience as attendees and so okay, the chat is running, and you ask for suggestions and they're like it, there was one night we had like five hundred people in there watching, and it was just like vroom, like it just it, yeah. the fastest and then you'd go, I saw lumberjack, you know like yeah. hopefully sex sex um, sex sex lumberjack, yeah. and then there's a we they have a video stage manager who's kind of like um, line producing the whole thing Mm -hmm. and so you can actually ask for a volunteer and they will raise their hand and like put a little hand emoji up and they will promote them to be a panelist and then they're on screen with you otherwise they're not on screen at all.
2: Wow. I find that really interesting because um, uh, I think probably Zoom uh, improv and Zoom sketch are probably the two kinds of comedy that I think would probably work in this format over stand-up Because at the end of the day, if it's a sketch or if it's an improv scene, you're just kind of like, you're, you're watching it like it's on television anyways. So it's sort of like, you could sort of be like, oh, hey, what? I want the scene in here with this and this. And then you're kind of watching it go on. Like improv and sketch people, That's a, that's the one thing. It's like, even if you're doing a bad sketch, you have to finish it. So it's sort of like you almost can do it in front of a crowd with no audience at all. And then if it's going well, it's going well. But if it's not, I mean. Well, and you still want that instant feedback from the
0: audience. And that doesn't exist other than the comments going, right. ha ha. It's yeah. just very weird. Right. Um, I ju- I'm taking a directing class at Second City. And for part of our class, I had to direct four people to do Second City archives over Zoom. Oh, And it was, we had rehearsals over Zoom uh, and then we did the show and it was very odd. Like I had to take a six person sketch, rewrite it for four, make it be about Zoom. I, I tried really hard to just pick scenes that are just people standing and talking so that it worked right. over Zoom. Other right. people were trying to do that cinematic, like, oh, you're in the square beside me. I'm going <laughs> to hand you this thing. And then that person goes, oh, thank you. And it totally didn't work because Zoom will not put everybody in the same place all the time. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, It's totally random.
2: So I, It would be funny though. I think, because uh, we were, we were just talking to Casey Corbin who does a yeah. wrestling podcast. And we know that, you know, you have a long history of, wrestling, uh... Yes, it
0: runs in my family. It's genetic.
2: <laughs> you, you were born that way? I think so. Yeah.
0: With yeah. a predisposition for theatrical performance of violence.
2: So we were, we were talking about just the differences, um, yeah, of, of doing things without a crowd now. And I do think, it, on a side note, I do think it would be funny to watch a stand-up show, and if a comedian is so used to getting booed for a particular joke, even though there's no audience... He still acts like he was just booed. Like he'll tell the joke and be like, hey, what, people? What's going on? Oh, my God, that's
0: the wrestling thing right now. Like I always, I say about when they train people in NXT, you put everybody, you put all these different kinds of meat through the meat grinder, it all comes out as hamburger. So all these people do their interviews the same way. Yeah. So they go, uh, when they walk in, they're like, please welcome my guest, Bill. And then Bill walks in and waits for the crowd reaction that's not coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then starts talking, and you just see him walk in like, (laughs) okay, yes, I'll talk now. Or at the beginning when they were doing these shows in front of nobody, they were doing interviews in the ring like, I'm going to say a thing that would get me booed. And then I'll continue. Like, they're waiting for the reaction. They're so used to giving the audience that space that some of them couldn't turn it off or right. never learned how to do it in the first place. not yeah, like you know any
4: that. Zoom stand-up show that I've either been part of or seen. No. It's just, it's really, hard. I couldn't do it. I tried to do a stand-up show and it was just, first of all, I have to watch my own face, which was very, very awkward. Oh, yes. And Tell me about it. Other people's faces, but they all, they're just kind of staring at their screen. And they might giggle a little bit, but it's just like, you, it is, so awkward to do stand up on Zoom for me. I mean, if you can do it, good for you. But it's no, just too weird. No,
0: it's too and weird. it's weird. It's weird to do sketch because you know the scene's supposed to get a laugh here, but and waiting for it is too yeah. awkward. So you just barrel on through, and it's very right. weird. And yeah. then the same with same with improv. You're making oh. it up and because you're not getting laughs all of a sudden you're like i'm improvising a dramatic scene right now and it's very <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense
2: right well and one of the things now is just sort of like they're in who knows when the whole covid thing's going to be over so it's no one knows when that wrestling crowds are going to be able to come back and so well, is they're, the an,
0: they're an essential service
2: dave well in florida <laughs> but yes. so, so, is Christ- yes. so is crystal meth dealers in, Christ- in florida uh, are, uh, are what was also that? What was that
0: line I heard today? Because everybody's like, Canada must think they're living above a meth lab. Yeah. And I. And then someone else wrote, "Well, no, because if I've learned anything from Breaking Bad, I understand that the person who runs the meth lab has a basic understanding of science." <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And that's certainly not the case. But, yeah. like, like it's just such a tire fire, and we're watching it, but it's also sort of happening here. Like, there, there were people at Queen's Park protesting with uh, MAGA hats and saying, fire Anthony Fauci. And I'm like, he doesn't work here. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That guy doesn't even this. go here. I love,
4: yeah. I love Canadians that are like, oh, it's magical and wonderful up here, and there's no racism or sexism or homophobia. We're just magical people. And it's like, <laughs> what Canada are you living in? Yeah, like I'm not I sure. From like, I posted something about Black Lives Matter, and then I get a message from a middle-aged white dude. I know you guys are all white dudes, but, and it's all, it's like, well, don't compare Canada to America because we're nothing like America. And I'm like, have you seen how we treat Native people?
0: Oh my like, god! <laughs> oh,
3: yeah.
0: It was is Becky in- Becky Johnson. There's an improviser from Alberta. Mm-hmm. Becky tweeted out something like, "I never okay. learned about." The, our treatment of indigenous people or our treatment of black people or any of that in school. And I, I was, I was like, I didn't. And I came to I university. Didn't. I knew yeah. one black kid who was adopted by a Dutch family in my small town. And I knew three Laotian kids and the Chinese family that ran the Chinese restaurant. And that the end. Yeah. And then when I went to university, I met Jewish people. I met way more black people. And I was just like, I'm, I want to know everything because I would never learned anything. Right. But there are people from my town that have never left that town yeah oh, yes oh yeah st- and don't think anything's wrong with the thing. how big is, how
3: big is your town that you grew it's, up in? You know what it says three thousand
0: but i think that's generous
3: right right that's
0: it might be a lie i've also lived in a place that had like four houses so and they right. called it a town but it sure. wasn't
2: yeah i wouldn't call it a town what uh like um i mean it, it is sort of odd watching uh like re- like wrestling today just because yeah they are still acting as if there's a the crowds are there
0: well and now the crowd there is a, a crowd quote unquote there and it's all their trainees at the from their training center who have all been tested for having a temperature right. and then uh the end and then they make them stand all day in little circles and then in between breaks they bring them out a chair and let them sit down right but it's but then again that's weird because they always they always accuse WWE of pumping in booing and cheering to get you to follow along to do what right. you want and now the audience is literally people they're paying.
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 So do
0: I get, don't. It's, I don't know what the difference is.
4: Do you think it will ever go back to the way it was? Because I I still don't think we're going to be having giant arena shows and for a very long time.
0: I can't imagine like, I mean, they might slowly up the limit of what the crowd can be. And by all means make that take as long as possible. But uh, the fact that like, I think the hardest hit things are the arts. Uh, I'm not including wrestling in the arts, but I think the- hardest, yeah, yeah, entertain. but I think, yeah. and the entertainment industry is the hardest hit and it will be the last thing to come back. Yeah. Right. Because yes. it's the least important thing. Yes. yes. It's, it's a frill. It's it's a luxury to be able to buy a couple of tickets to go see your favorite band or to go see a couple of guys crack jokes. But in this, in our new normal, which is so weird to yeah. say,
4: yeah.
0: Uh, and in this new where we are now, we're not going back to the comedy clubs. I mean... To be honest, were we ever doing sold out crowds in front of hundreds of people? No, it was the same no. 15 people who came to the alt dot every Monday. Yeah. That's why my
4: favorite comics are the ones, because shows have been happening in Alberta and I'm doing the House of Comedy in Vancouver in a few weeks. Yeah. And, uh, but it's funny because some of the comics will be like, I sold out all weekend. I'm like, yeah, at 25% capacity, which is like normal. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's one person at every table for four.
2: Yeah, yes. I was interested in the comics that were trying to convince club owners. It was like, don't worry, only 10 people will come anyways. <laughs> like, yeah, that was, but that, but like, that's us
0: doing improv shows. Like, more people are coming to our Zoom shows yes. for doing improv than would ever come to a live improv show.
4: And now are they saying, like, are you paying? Are you making money off of it?
0: No, we're improvisers. We don't make any money. Well, right.
4: but even, like, would you make more money before all this happened?
0: It depends on the show. I mean, honestly, sometimes you're just doing a friend a favor and jumping yeah. on stage and doing whatever. But a lot of times, if, I mean, at Comedy Bar, they're really good about your improv, their improv shows they put on and really good about paying the talent. At Bad Dog, they're the same way. Social Capital's the same way. But not every theater's the same. Yeah. And improv shows can happen anywhere. And honestly, usually you're just like doing it for a pal who said, I have a dumb idea, let's do this. Yeah.
4: Lots of people have been doing backyard shows here. I've been asked to do a backyard show uh, like where people just be in their backyard with their friends, and they'll hire a comedian, and they'll get paid.
3: Go ahead, Darren. No, do you think that indie wrestling might come back first because of size constraints than something like WWE?
0: Well, yeah, indie shows never really had more than 200 people anyway because of the venues that would say yes to uh, allowing the insurance coverage, you know, that kind of stuff. But what's interesting about what Kathleen said is that there are a lot of backyard wrestling shows that are starting to happen, which is funny because a lot of these guys started as yarders and now they're Mm -hmm. back in it. But because they've learned so much doing indies and this new world of everyone's online, they're getting together two, three people at a time in someone's backyard, shooting a match and then doing commentary after, and then releasing it onto the end. I just got asked to do announcing for one. Yeah. So they're just, they're just going to send me a match and I'm just going to go nuts. And I, I think that's hilarious.
3: It's, it, we, w- whether it's going to be successful or not, it, who you knows? Know, it's, it's who knows. It sounds fun. Like if you're, if you love doing it, that's the, the whole thing. It's like, it doesn't matter what the end result is. If you're having fun doing it. Well, and yeah. And really if, there, if the bonus
0: happen. would be, the bonus would be if anybody could make money doing anything. Right. Like
3: that, right.
2: So. I mean, it's, um, you, you remember, uh, this is just another example of how much I think the crowd is important for both the comedy show and a wrestling show. I mean, you remember WrestleMania 18.
3: Oh, I do for sure. Yeah,
2: 100%. The, uh, it's, it's the, the Hulk Hogan and, and the rock match. Okay. You know? uh, just through what i you know, what I've read and interviews I've seen, you know, apparently, you know, the rock was talking to Hogan about, Hey, how do you want to block this match out? How do you want to do it? And then Hogan was constantly like, "Let's not worry about that. Let's call it in the ring." It's like, what's the point in setting up this whole match of just like you do this, I do this, you do this, I do this? If the crowd is going to turn on, like they didn't know who the crowd was going to turn on, because at the time the Rock was
0: yeah the- they were good, it was they were going to cheer for one or the other. Nostalgia wise, you think they're going to cheer Hogan, but he's a bad guy, so you don't know and then The Rock is super popular, but people were getting sick of him at that time. Right. So they literally were going out there without any idea of what that crowd was gonna do, and they improvised.
2: Right, and also, it's, and another thing too, is like Hogan uh, hadn't been up to Toronto in uh, like 10 years, and Toronto is notorious for uh, loving heels. Yes. Bad guys would always get cheered more than good guys, um, or or these big nostalgia pops. I mean, it they, was after, They always
0: call it Bizarro World on commentary. Well, right, Toronto's really like, Bizarro like Hogan, World.
2: Like, Hogan, I think, after Mania, didn't he go to Montreal when he got, like, an eight-minute standing ovation? Yeah, because he's Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and he hadn't been to Montreal in like, yeah. in, like, 20 years. And so that's just one of those weird moments where it's sort of like, it's, like, how crucial a crowd like cuz you know i mean as an improviser or as a as a stand up if the crowd's not going along and would be like okay well let's go this way let's go that Wait, way
4: who won that one then i didn't i don't know anything about it who won that one
2: well what's funny is that um, the rock won the match the won the match but hulk hogan went over yeah
0: hogan sort of like the crowd effort. they didn't care that the rock won and the rock left the ring and hogan got like a half hour standing ovation if i'm wow. not wrong right and, and then it was insane
2: then, And then that was the match where Vince McMahon was like, we're going to make Hulk Hogan champion again because the Toronto crowd almost tricked him into thinking Hogan was going to be another draw. But then as soon as they went, as soon as they got out of Toronto and out of Montreal, then people started booing Hulk Hogan again because they were sick of him and they didn't, you know, and then so it's just this weird dynamic that we are constantly on the fly.
4: big in Canada. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, he was, but his uh, very uh, his
0: comments may have changed that. He may be a heel now for everybody.
2: Yeah, yeah. his tape didn't go over very well.
4: This <laughs> have you seen it?
2: Yes. <laughs> oh
4: my Is it God.
2: disgusting? Huh?
4: Is it gross?
2: Well, it's it's shot on like a security camera in this guy's in, in Bubba Love's uh, bedroom, who's oh. like a radio personality in uh, in Florida, of course. <laughs> And there's one part where Hulk Hogan sort of spins a bit. And uh, man, that guy's, yeah, yeah. He's doing, <laughs> talk, talk about those 24 inch pythons. Let me just say that. He's doing well.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, oh, yeah. Sid. No, Sid. Yeah. Okay. That's like Screech's like sex tape. He's apparently got a big, but he's Screech.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, and it's what, was, what was when Hulk Hogan went to court. He said that uh, when he's playing a character, it's like Hulk Hogan has a 10 inch penis. But. <laughs> Terry Balea, my real name, he doesn't really.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we got a couple more minutes. What, what, uh, anything else you want to ask, Dave? Because I know you had a list of things.
2: Oh, um, you've watched the Dark Side of the Ring shows. I have, yes. Actually, it's really
0: funny because uh, I got called by them to, and they asked me if I wanted to be Paul Heyman oh, uh, sure for their you. show. And okay. then I, I said, Oh, that's cool. Uh, i'm union and they were like "Ooh, see you later
3: right yeah. right
0: uh but they they taught they called a lot of indie guys i know to be the wrestlers for the in what, the dark in the ring and stuff yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah was, was it uh, channing decker got to be chris benoit
0: yeah decker was one uh tyson dukes was one mark wheeler was on it puff if you my kid puff,
3: my kid fucking hates that tyson oh my kid hates that tyson well your kid hates me
0: Yes. Yes. I get a lot of kids hate me. I've got yes. a birthday I've got a birthday message I have to send to a kid that hates my guts. Her mom asked me if I would send a birthday message to her and I'm a hated manager in Fabulous Barry Ontario. And uh and I'm just I'm just going to stare into the camera and just go happy birthday. Like I was, my kid,
3: so I took I took my kids to an indie wrestling thing and my middle child Austin went fucking nuts. He stood up and screamed and three matches stopped and had to address him screaming. Like like one kid, like Tyson had to go over and tell him to shut up, two other wrestlers. I'm just at the look of like, oh my God, he's a psychopath. He just wouldn't stop. It was great and all the audience loved it, but I'd never seen that from him. And it was like, to, honestly, the best money I ever spent in any entertainment for my kids was indie wrestling.
0: It's so fun because I think indie wrestling really gravitates toward that 1980s thing where everybody had a second job, like the wrestling garbage yeah, man right. and the wrestling. Right. Oh, pop. yeah, yeah and uh, and you know there's characters there's fun but also i think everybody there understands their part in it like right. i'm here to boo the bad guy and cheer yeah. for the good guy right and if you don't know if the crowd doesn't know who you are it's your job if you're a bad guy to make them hate you so much that right. it doesn't matter who is coming out that curtain yes. they're gonna yes. love that person well
4: to yeah. an indie wrestling show when i lived in los angeles i went to one it's like i don't know it was some small town in california and it was I don't know anything about wrestling. And it was like so much fun. It was like one of the best things I've ever had. It's It's
0: such a a variety show of nonsense. And I always say, it's like watching very, very, very good professional stuntmen do their thing. And then they're going to act and they're not good at that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I I have one other quick question. And that is, it was also about dark side of the ring. So we kind of sidetracked there but the last episode of season 2 is obviously about Owen Hart. Yes. And there's a bit of a controversy there that the family doesn't want him to be uh in the um the Hall of Fame. And uh I just wanted to know what your two cents about that is.
0: I think uh going into that episode I was like, well, he certainly should. I mean, that the WWE Hall of Fame is nonsense. It's like it's, the it's, rock and roll Hall
2: of Fame. So yes, it's Yes, like it
0: doesn't a lot of people that- It's just a night. It's not even a room. It's just a night, right? It's a a night. It's a a ceremony, and uh, he wouldn't be there. But also, it's just an excuse to sign guys to contracts and make some new merch with some guys that they don't have merch for. It's action figures and stickers and T-shirts and whatnot. But I think going into that episode, I was like, "Well, she should, she should let him in." And then she got to say her piece, and I went, "Oh no,
3: no, I might be siding with her now." Yeah, it's funny because uh, I had the same reaction. I have no history yeah. to to any of it. I'm not, like I said, a big wrestling guy, but I love the background to it. And I was the same way. I'm like, "Why wouldn't she want?" And then as soon as she pleaded her case, I was like, "Yeah, how can you really argue with that?" I mean, and I, you, re- and you can't.
2: Well, and, and for about a good, you know, I'd say five years or so, I always. You know, I mean, I listened to a couple of Vince Russo uh, interviews and I thought for the longest time, because he would always be like, oh, the same people that would do stings, you know, uh, uh, descending rope, cable rope thing. uh, They did the ones for Owen Hart, which turned out not to be true. And there was like a lot of, you know, they took, they literally took economic uh, safety measures uh, away from it. Yeah. uh, And it was just, yeah, I mean, a real nightmare, and it's a it's a Canadian show. It's on Vice, and it just gotten uh, asked to be for a third season. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it's it's it is one of those shows where like the story you don't even it's the subject isn't that important, but yeah, uh, it's you, like it, it's
3: like a great music documentary. I could care less. Like I watched a Backstreet Boys documentary. I'm no fan, but the behind the scenes was interesting enough to you know it's a, it was a good documentary, and that's the key to all documentaries. It doesn't really matter what the subject matter no. is if it's well done. And and
0: the good slash horrible thing about it is there is no shortage of dark stories from the world of wrestling to be included in this. My honest to God, the Dave Schultz, I would listen to Dr. Death, Dave Schultz talk all day. That guy is not a character. He's a real human being inside yeah. and outside of the ring. And the fact that he became a bounty hunter after he busted the eardrum yes. of a guy from 2020 is bananas.
2: Yes. So, now, you saw you were, the episode, if you, if you get a chance to watch it, I recommend anyone it's the episode called the, uh, the Slap That's Heard Around the World. Yeah, it's fascinating. And John Stachel is still such a piece of shit. Yeah, he's it's garbage. Like, he's totally yeah. the fun police. And it's sort of like, even even when in the 70s, 80s, 90s, it was just like, a, you know, it's sort of like, it's all those people that would always be like, hey, you know, Millie Vanilli aren't really singing those songs. But people would go to the Milli Vanilli concerts and we'd be like, mm, yeah, we know, but we're still having fun. It's like even <laughs> fans know it's not real, but we're still having fun doing it. And he's like shitting on, a, uh, on he's just shitting on fun.
0: My, uh, my friend RJ City, fantastic wrestler, has been doing stand-up, open for Mick Foley doing stand-up in Buffalo. Foley just tells stories, but RJ's like, I, if I'm doing stand-up, I'm writing some bits. And one of my favorite bits that he wrote is like, it's as if wrestling, I always say it's like Santa Claus. Just pretend it's real for the kids. Yeah. Um,
1: right,
2: right.
0: But he says, it's like going to a magic show. And fans take it so seriously. So he's like, some of these fans that take it so seriously would be, if, if they went to a magic show and the magician goes, I'm going to saw this lady in half. And then they all nudge each other and goes, I know how this is done. Yeah. They're gonna, he's going to saw this lady in half. But then he pulls out the saw and starts cutting and blood goes everywhere. And he actually saws a woman in half. And these people would go, hey, you're not very good at this, you're actually sawing a woman in half. And then he would go, I'm one of those real magicians, respect the business. Yeah, exactly. um, but, but, But people get so wound up about this fake thing, and 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 it's it's the reasons people fight are fictional. the the physical stuff they do in the ring is very real. You can't oh very real. You can't really pretend to fall fifteen feet to a concrete floor like that. Right. It's gravity. I don't know how you can pretend to do yeah. that. What's but such, yeah, you get such. so wound up about it, and it honestly doesn't matter and the proof of it is that they're doing shows for no one you think that you think you're so important to this wrestling and they're doing shows in an empty room where you're not and the show is going on.
2: Right. Well, and it also it's sort of like I mean, a guy like I mean, I don't I, I think John Stossel deserves to get smacked in the head. It's like hey, you first of all, if you saw Dr. D David Schultz, he's clearly not all up there in the first place. But it, it, and it's sort of like John Stossel goes up to him and says, I think what you're doing is fake. And what do you it's expect? Equivalent of someone sort of yelling at you that, you know, the dinosaurs are fake in Jurassic Park. It's sort of like, you know, and then it's, or, or it's the equivalent, you know, it's sort of like, don't talk to David Schultz. He's either about to go to the ring or he just left the ring. And uh, on another note, there's been a couple of times where I've opened up for Darren Frost, and mm. after Darren gets off stage, I've had people come up to me and go, hey, can, and this is literally like a minute or two minutes after the show. And, and the people come up to me, and go, "Hey, can I speak to the headliner? Is he still around?" And, I, and I'll be like, "Give him about ten minutes."
0: <laughs> it's like you don't you don't want to talk to him on a
2: just at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, but I mean, like, he's he, this fucker gets so wound up. I'm like, "Sure." Listen, you can talk to him if you like, but just remember what happened to John Stossel, okay? Yeah. Yes. You know, if yes. you tell him one of his stories uh, isn't real and is fake. All right, yep. go ahead. I'm breaking
3: your eardrum.
0: When when we, when we I saw Darren at the Barry Wrestling Show with his kid, mm-hmm. it was the calmest I've ever seen Darren Frost oh, in yeah. my life. And oh, his yeah. kid was freaking out. And I'm sure. like, I know where he gets it.
3: Yeah, that ain't skipping a generation. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, well, thanks, Doug. We appreciate you coming by. That's the way it is. Well, I'm sure there's
2: going to be uh, days on the show where both of you are talking about how you can be a better person and I'll be completely left out. So. Exactly.
3: <laughs> Exactly. What? Yeah. What? You know what's
2: huh? funny? It's uh my my ex my uh, my uh, ex uh, who I'm still you know we're in communication with. But anyways, <laughs> she's
3: making.
4: <laughs> please leave this in. in. Please, please. Oh that's yeah.
3: stays in.
2: That's important,
4: right? Yeah. So
2: she's she's making a bunch of COVID masks. Her right. name's Linda. She's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she's great. But she's sure. making a bunch of COVID masks and. Uh, Uh, She gave me a few, and at one point, she's sort of like, she's asked me, have you been cleaning your masks? Have you been boiling them? Have you been drying them? And I was just like, "Uh, no, not really. And then she's like, they're masks. They're going against your face. They're like your underwear. You got to change them every day. And then I was like, you change your underwear every day?
3: Oh, (laughs) did. I was like, what? (laughs) You wear underwear? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) On your face? What?
4: (laughs)
2: Yeah, if, if I get out of the shower and there's a pair of underwear on the ground, I'm wearing that underwear again. I pretty wow. I, if I, have to, I have to shit in my pants for me to lose <laughs> a pair of
4: underwear. <laughs> Christ. I know a lot of uh, girls that have become artisan mask makers. Who knew mm-hmm. that that was going to be a new career? I thought yeah. you were going
2: to say you do a lot of girls that were shitting their pants.
4: But. <laughs> <laughs> a, we
3: couple, talk about those. a couple. A <laughs> couple. Sure. And the dudes that are into that, we know some of those. Yeah. I was
4: watching Flavor of Love again, and that lady that shits on the stairs. Oh, yeah. no, did,
2: okay, I have a quick question. Okay, when when they sh- do they show her shit on the on the ground?
4: I uh, think they do. Yeah, I think it is.
2: I vaguely remember being like Flavor Flay being like, "There's a turd over there." <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. There's a dookie. Yeah.
2: It reminds yeah. us, There was one moment, and I, I don't know if they when they actually showed the turd on that episode of the show. Let me
4: actually-
3: tell you something. He knew what time it was then.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's time to sort of start getting rid of uh, that lady. When but, the
3: big uh, hand hits twelve, and the little hand hits twelve, go take a shit in a toilet.
4: All those shows are on Amazon Prime, by the way, if you want to watch mm. them again.
2: Oh, I don't, I don't need to. But the uh,
3: <laughs> what well, one thing,
2: uh, well, it was like a wife swapping show. I remember once yeah, yep. where um, they they took you know it's the old they took the wife out of the city, they brought her to the country, sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, so this one wife has to uh clean a barn one day and uh so the white the the woman sort of looks o- over in is in the barn she's like oh look over there look at a big pile so there's this big pile of like horse manure and then so the camera pans over and they do that pixelated blur thing over the shit <laughs> oh yeah. like a real yeah. graphic in focus picture of shit yeah, they sort of the, so they blur it out, or they pixelate. For the kids, it, you know, a guy For the kids,
3: talks. so the kids don't know. Yeah,
2: yeah, because because oh, nobody shits, right? Yeah. Everybody's seen shit.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, it's the same reason when they when they pixelate Japanese porn. It's like, okay, we all know right. what it is. That's not really a big
2: I know. I was so disappointed the first time I was with a Japanese girl. <laughs> <laughs>